Welcome to another exciting podcast brought to you by Bayside Christian Church. I'll let you think on that one. How long should you preach a good series on that? No, not, not, most of us don't do it forever. Colossians 4.12, Epaphras is always wrestling in prayer for you that you may stand firm in the will of God, mature and fully assured. Wow, that's a great one for our prayer teams. God wants us to be mature and fully assured. Wow, how many of us? Wow, yeah, we're assured today and tomorrow we're not because this has happened and that's happened. Let's go back to Ephesians 4, 11 and 16. I'll read it in the message. He handed out gifts of apostle, prophet, evangelist and pastor, teacher to train Christ's followers in skilled servant work. Working within Christ's body, the church, until we're all moving rhythmically and easily with each other, efficient and graceful in response to God's Son, fully mature adults, fully developed within and without, fully alive like Christ. Oh, I love that. That would be an awesome church to be a part of, wouldn't it? (laughs) Your church can be that. God wants us to grow up to know the whole truth and tell it in love like Christ in everything. We take our lead from Christ, who is the source of everything we do. He keeps us, us in step with each other. His very breath and blood flow through us, nourishing us so that we will grow up healthy in God, robust in love. Wow. That's a very great picture of a healthy body of Christ, mature. And that's something I want to aspire to. And our church is aiming to grow into that. Because if you've got a, I've learned healthy things grow. So a whole lot of growth strategies and evangelism strategies sometimes are a lot of hard work and cost a lot of money. And I'm not against them because there are seasons and times to do that stuff. But I reckon if we had healthy people and healthy churches, we would grow so fast we wouldn't be able to keep up with it. Because this world is desperately looking for some families that have got their act reasonably together. They're looking for some marriages that learn to go through the ups and downs of life. They're looking for some business people who know how to do integrous entrepreneurial leadership but in an honest real way that brings blessing to their community and not just makes a whole lot of profits oh god help us they need people that can give counsel and advice in the crisis that's good common sense and got god's love in the middle of it all i reckon this is one of the things when i came to this church i said lord what do we do he said healthy things grow so get the church healthy and it'll grow that's been our main growth strategy for 15 years in our church we do other stuff, but that's been one of my foundational truths. We haven't gone running after a whole lot of programs and all sorts of stuff. It's, God calls us to different ministries. We do youth and kids and chaplaincy and all those things. But get people healthy and whole and functioning, equipped for works of service. And I remember Andrew Evans a long time ago said, the quickest way to have a major move of God is just to get everyone in the church do it, functioning in their gift. I thought, that sounds like good Holy Ghost common sense. Just get as many people as possible, healed and as whole as possible, and functioning in their gift and calling, and you will have a great move of God happening in your city and community. That's what this is saying. Okay, let's have a quick look at this. (coughs) Jesus is our example. God uses ministry gifts to teach us and to equip us by their example and anointing to serve the Lord and to grow in maturity. Our ministry is the ministry of Christ expressed through the believer by the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And if you have a look through the scriptures, Jesus is our apostle in Hebrews 3.1. We haven't got all these listed here, but I've just, if you want to jot them down, apostle is Hebrews 3.1. 
He's our prophet. Luke 24:19. He's our evangelist. Matthew 9:35. These are just snippets to show that Jesus is all of these ministries because it says he's our example. He's also our pastor. 1 Peter 5, 2 to 4, the great shepherd of the sheep. 1 Peter 5, 2 to 4, he's our pastor. And he's also our teacher, John 3, 2. He says, I tell you the truth. I teach you my way. So Jesus is our example. And I think another adjustment that's happening in the body of Christ is we're getting back more Christ-focused and more focused on Jesus And one of the best books I've ever read on leadership is someone who studied the life of Jesus and said, look at the leadership gifts in Jesus' life. And that's been one of my best leadership books I've ever read because it focused on Jesus, who is our example and model. Let's have a quick look at the fivefold ministry gifts. Apostles, this is a very brief summary of some of what they do. And um, before you write lots of notes on here, there is a website where I got a bit of this from. And it's, uh, I'll give you the website and you can research it. It actually has a, some sample surveys to help you discover what is what one of these gifts so you may be strongest in. And you know surveys, they can pigeonhole people. But I did this last year and it just helped me clarify a little bit more of what are my strengths. And it's got, I think, uh, 50 questions or whatever. And, and, uh, and it just helps when you put the score together. It just helps show you what areas of the, what are these gifts that may be a functioning most powerfully you know, I'll give you that website. Um, where is it? I'll see if I can find it here. It is uh, Cornerstone Church with a K. K-O-R-N-E-R-S-T-O-N-E church.org. I just found it. I looked at a lot of them last year and it's one of the ones I felt was most balanced and gave a summary and a bit of this I'm teaching right now was on their website. And it's a church somewhere in America that's probably just kept a, what I can see a balance in this sort of area so if you want to jot notes then you're welcome to but some of this i found on their site just it just put it into clearer words that's been in my heart for a long time so this is a very brief summary of the five-fold ministry gifts it was cornerstone.org yeah just with a k hey eh? it cornerstonechurch.org sorry cornerstonechurch.org with a k for corner Apostles are leaders and visionaries. They bring direction to the church. They have the courage and ability to keep the church moving forward, growing and building in new directions. Apostles are also fathers and mothers, able to nurture and release the other four ministry gifts and the other gifts right across the body. They have a capacity to see, discern and release and be fathers and mothers in the faith. And to be a father and mother, in the natural, you can be a father at 19, 20, 21, whatever, young age. So you don't have to be 75 before you qualify to be a father or a mother in the faith. I've met some people at 30 have got amazing wisdom and leading credible teams. Others, it's 40s or 50s before they develop that level of maturity. Number two, prophets have a strong sense of right and wrong, but never more than that they have a strong sense of the Holy Spirit's leading. So prophetic people just more naturally hear and see in the Spirit. Their spiritual antenna start quivering when things go off balance or in wrong directions. And that's a strength and a weakness because some prophets could come out very judgmental and strong 
And most of the most effective prophets I know have been through plenty of years of maturing and shaping and suffering before God releases them powerfully on the body of Christ. Because it's so easy when you see stuff to misuse it. Their voice is important for keeping the church on track in what the Lord wants to do. Prophets also understand justice and are defenders of what is fair and right. Evangelists, they're the warriors, the foot soldiers who take the gospel to many areas of the world. They advance the gospel and in so doing they battle directly with the enemy and the hindrances to the gospel. There are many more warriors in an army than there are generals and so there must be many evangelists in the church. This is the main reason why the church has not grown and taken our nation. We have neglected significantly the evangelistic gift. I know lots of evangelists and five or ten years ago they were all dying or thought they had to take a church to survive because the body of Christ forgot how to minister and release them to function. Because evangelists are challenging, true evangelists are challenging because they, want, they get you stirred up to fight the devil and to take on darkness and the strongholds. Pastors teach you to love one another. So pastors often struggle to have evangelists fully released in their church because they stir everyone up and stir everything up. The pastor says, I've got to sort it all out after they go. Yes, you do, but you're already two notches up higher and you've equipped a whole lot of your people to flourish and win people to Jesus. A lot of pastors struggle with evangelists because evangelists don't come in nice packages. They've got entrepreneurial, they've got breakout stuff. Sometimes they're really interesting breakthrough but that's the very thing that gets them to break through darkness and reach into broken hearts that others walk past and don't know how to reach and i believe this is one of the reasons why the church has not really shaken our nation is because we haven't known how to nurture and release and function with evangelists it's shifting it's starting to move back to a healthier balance i believe that's happening they advance the gospel they battle directly There are so many warriors and we need more of them. Pastors, nurture the flock and comfort them. They build up the people in their most holy faith. They tend to the sick and wounded. They lead the healthy sheep into good pastures so that they will eat well and be strong. And they also look for the sheep that have wandered away so that none will be lost. Wow. And when when we talk about pastors, many of us are pastors and shepherds, but there's a percentage of people in your church that that's their heart. They'll be the ones coming up and say, I haven't seen so-and-so for two weeks. Are they okay? They're your pastors. They're always looking out for people. We've got to find them, equip them and release them to function whatever level of maturity their gift is. They're the pastors. The teachers, they build the foundations of the church. They minister in the word of God and remind us of the priorities and foundations that will keep us stable in our lives. They teach the church how to be wise in the ways of God. And we have lots of teachers, but I still think we don't have enough really mature teachers who know how to really teach the word in maturity. And we need to strengthen that again. It's very important that these five vital ministries are allowed to function the church and that they work together in unity. The human hand is a simple analogy to help illustrate the five-fold ministry. And we should have a picture of a hand come up in a minute. Okay, first we have the thumb, which can reach all the other fingers, and this represents the apostolic ministry. Some of you have seen this before, but it's just helpful to put it into picture. It is one of government 
and in fathering and mothering others and working together with the other ministries in love, wisdom, understanding of the unique talents and gifts. You know, you know your thumb is the only part of your hand that can touch the other four fingers easily. So the apostles are the ones that can help work with, release and adjust and function all the other ministry gifts. So you don't need lots of apostles, but we need some. And you rarely hear teaching on apostles because sadly we had self-appointed apostles 10 or 20 years ago that muddied the waters. Church history has regularly had people that have stood up, stood up and declared you're an apostle. If you're an apostle, you don't have to declare it. People will know it and they'll respond to the gift in you. You don't have to go around and call yourself apostle. If you've got to do that, if you've got to call yourself apostle and prophet, you're probably striving to be something. You've got a gift there, but it's not mature because if you're doing it, you will function in it and everyone will respond to it. So I think apostle and prophet, the waters have been muddied for the last 20 or 30 years in many Western Pentecostal churches. And so a lot of people have just pulled back from it. And that's one of the reasons we don't teach on this or understand how this works well. But I hear the cry of the Spirit saying we've got to get this back in healthy order if we want to have mature Christians and change our world. It's just God's pattern. It just is. And so we have the apostles, the prophets. We have the forefinger, which is referred to as the prophet finger. It's next to the apostle thumb and works together with them in the foundational structure. So if you're going to point at someone, you often use your, that finger. So the prophet often is pointing the way, bringing adjustment, sharpening, pointing. That's why it's that one. And this is, this is to me, one of the crucial scriptures that we have ignored in the whole leadership teaching. Ephesians 2, 19 and 21. You are fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple to the Lord. For a long time I've said, God, why don't we build the church the way you taught us on Jesus as the chief cornerstone and the apostles and prophets as the primary builders and releases of ministries? I, I just don't understand why we've tried to depart from the biblical pattern when to me that is foundational truth. And I believe God is going to restore us to proper biblical understanding of what apostles and prophets are, how they function, and we release them to function. And we've seen all sorts of distorted models and versions of it. But I watch around the world and those churches that are flourishing and significantly transforming their community and around the world are people that have got this in order because they've just gone to do it how God told us to do it. Because when that's functioning, you don't have to self-promote. You don't have to uh, do all this stuff because the Spirit of God builds it because you're just flowing with what He's done. And we need to find ways in the body of Christ. I don't have all the answers, but I'm throwing it out there to say this is what's burned in my heart for many years because I think we've got to learn how to do this properly again. So I see all the leadership teaching has to be laid on top of the foundation of the fivefold ministry gifts. If we don't, we are building a model 
that I believe is not as biblical as it could be or should be. There you go, I've said it. <laughs> and because a whole lot of people have been saying, this doesn't just gel together properly. And I talk to a lot of young pastors and they are desperate saying, we get all this amazing structure and teacher and vision and, and all this stuff, but I hardly ever hear the word preached. And, and we're frustrated because it's not fulfilling our soul and our spirit. And to me, this is one of the reasons why. And if we can just get this working in healthy balance together, you watch what will happen to the body of Christ. You watch. You watch what will happen to our nation. But the enemy has contended with this more than ever because this is the cornerstone of a healthy church. So the devil has contended with this every possible way. Because these ministry gifts flow under the anointing. You can't function in these gifts unless you understand and flow with the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And the Antichrist is against the body of Christ and Christ is anointed one. So the devil is anti the anointing of God. That's why you've had diversions and stuff and attacks and schemes and whatever discrediting in every possible way when someone rises up in your church with an anointing and they try to do it right, the enemy will find ways to try and tear them down. That's why many of you, I want to say you guys are champions because you're still here in the fight. You're still here in the fight. You, you guys as pastors are champions because some of you have done this for 5, 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years and here you are still growing and learning and still in the fight building his kingdom. I thought you guys are champions because you haven't given up and the call of the Spirit still leads you forward. No matter what schemes of the Antichrist against the anointed ones has happened. And we're going to keep building for his kingdom and his glory. Wow. So we have the foundation of apostles and prophets. I encourage the leader to pray through and say, what does that mean for us today? I'm throwing it out there to ask those sorts of questions. What does that mean? And we have the networks of churches and campus models and all that. Some of those are varying attempts to do this some of them working really well some not so well but I think once again the trains coming through and the carriages are there and some are grabbing some parts of it and trying to say we need to make this work better but I feel the Holy Spirit's going to help us to find how this works Anyone who's listening is going to hear the voice of Spirit and we're going to get this better and better over the coming few years and we're going to see a significant transformation of our nation. Because that prophetic word I had last year, the Lord says it's going to cause transformations of cities and cultures. And our churches we're doing now are not transforming our cultures. They're influencing them but not transforming them. We're only going to transform them like the book of Acts when we do it God's way. And let his kingdom work and he can tear down and pull up and break through and transform stuff really quickly and very powerfully. That's where God's going to take us in the, the next few years, I believe. So we've got the prophet is one who helps guide others, helps draw the church closer to Jesus and calls the church to purity and truth. The middle finger, the longest one, has been called the evangelist because it is far-reaching. 
and because of the evangelist's obvious ability to gather people to spread the gospel. Next to the middle finger, we have the ring finger, which refers to the pastor or shepherd. They care for the needs of the people and for the heart of the church. The pastor also guards the people from outside influences that might cause harm to the people in the church. I'll speak another adjusting statement here. A lot of pastors have felt almost redundant and have felt like they're almost second-rate ministries because we've promoted leadership and all this other stuff and some pastors aren't good leaders but they're amazing people with their people and I I remember 10 years ago I went to a few conferences and I used to come home discouraged and disheartened I'm thinking I'm a pastor at heart and I got next to nothing out of that and I feel so discouraged and so ill-equipped to function because it was pitching stuff up here in leadership and very little of it connected to my heart I thought God what am I doing wrong And then I found a whole pile of other people having the same cry. And they still do. But the Spirit of God is going to start to adjust. I'm not saying we stop leadership. We need leadership. But it must be on a biblical pattern overlaid by the kingdom. And pastors, I want to encourage you. You are shepherds. And that's God's primary way of of nurturing and healing. And I, I talk to young guys. They've got 50 people or 100 people in their church. And they say, I'm not a pastor or shepherd. We don't do that in our church. I'm thinking, you're Turkey. You're just going to, you're going to have a huge turnover in your church. And I watch. They reach people that are reasonably together. But anyone that's in crises, brokenness, that's coming out of drug addiction or abuse, those people rarely stay in those churches because they've nothing to help get them healed and restored. I think that's not a healthy body. They get a crowd together and it looks awesome. And I'm not judging anyone, I'm just observing some trends that I think need adjusting. So please don't go away from me and say, hey, Pastor Ross, he just judged. No, I'm not doing that at all. I've wrestled this for years. And I speak with grace and humility, but I believe the Spirit of God's going to help us. Pastors, you flourish in your gift. It's a, it's a, at times, a neglected gift in the body, and that's why we've got so many immature people. And teachers... So pastor, I want to encourage you. And teachers, the little finger represents the teacher. Even though the finger is is the smallest, it helps provide very important balance. The teacher grounds the people in the word. Without the teaching ministry, we are left lacking in a deeper understanding of scripture and in their very detailed approach to things. And I do believe we lack really good Bible teachers. I go on holidays to churches sometimes and... Sometimes they might have one scripture in their sermon, sometimes none. I think, what are you guys doing? What are you guys doing? I know I have too many. I swamp my people and they, they're sort of choking on the word. I give my list of scriptures. They've got about 30 scriptures and the poor old data guy's thinking, we're going to do all these today. I said, yep. <laughs> I'm learning to cut mine back because I used to just swamp people with... But I remember hearing Frank Damasio. Anyone heard Frank Damasio? He'd have about 350 scriptures for every point in his sermons. I managed to write, I'd, I'd have about 10 pages and I've only got to point two. He's a Bible teacher, mate. He would find every scripture on every topic you can find. And if you ever read his book, The Making of a Leader, it's still one of the greatest classics on leader. He's got 14 tests that every leader goes through. I think it's still one of the greatest. He goes through the Bible and picks out every character and all the tests they went through. It's one of the greatest Bible teaching on handling the tests of leadership and growth. The Making of a Leader. 
And so that became unpopular. And so now some churches only preach for 15, 20 minutes. We don't want to bore the people. I'm thinking, mate, mate, get the word in there. You don't have to preach forever. Make it interactive. Have your scriptures on the screen. Have a few illustrations. You can do 30, 35, 40 minutes of life-transforming teaching because experiences will connect with people's emotions and give them examples to follow, but it's only the word that will renew the mind and change their life. It's only the word. God, help us to put the word, but relevant, communicating, connecting, real, but let it transform lives. We need to wrap this up. I can hear the cry for the coffee already. All the ministries are essentially important and none are more important than the others. The problem is a lot of them think, well, this is the best. If, you're, if the senior pastor is an evangelist, he wants everyone to be an evangelist. Evangelists and senior pastors aren't real good long term because they just beat their people up. I know most evangelists, they say, I function best two out of four weeks in the pulpit, and the other two I'm out stirring some other church up so I don't kill them in the process. Prophets sometimes are not good senior pastors on their own because they will just be too direct and too challenging. This has been a challenge for me because I'm a pastor at heart, always have been. We've been pastors at heart with all of our being. For the last few years, I'm growing into more prophetic and apostolic ministries, and I have to watch how I minister that on Sundays. Otherwise, I'm going to be shooting over their heads or just too much to the guy who's saved three weeks. I've got to make sure. When you're preaching and teaching, think about who's in your congregation. I reckon pastoring and teaching a fresh message every Sunday is the toughest job in the world. It really is. Because you've got to get a fresh message. You've got to have your A game on every Sunday. You can't repeat yourself too often. You think, oh, you used that one last year, Pastor. When you're, you're a bit tired, they go, oh, we'll just pull one out last year and change two scriptures in it. doesn't work, does it? Because they know. <laughs> Some of them won't know. Oh, that was an awesome message, Pastor. You preached it three times in the last five years and they just didn't get it. But to have it fresh, to have it relevant, to have it impacting, in time and flowing with the Holy Ghost and feeding your people the Word of God and equipping them to go out and live transformed lives that shake our communities. Oh, just keep going for it because the Holy Spirit equips you. I'm enjoying ministry and preaching more than I ever have. So I've learned to use the prophetic growth that's happening in me in a way that gives me more revelation, but then I break it down to Whatever people are in our church. We've got the transformation. Nearly every week we've got, there's totally brand new people, never been in church in their life. Some have been saved one week. And you've, some have been saved 50 years. So pastoring's also, because you've got to try and touch the person that's not saved yet, never been in church in their life. You've got to try and help disciple a new Christian. You've got to help the people who have been saved 10 years and trying to wrestle with their kids and how am I going to do life and is my marriage going to stay together till next Sunday? And then you've got to minister to those that are leaders and, and wanting to just have some stuff that's going to stir them to be equipped better. And then you've got the saints that have been saved 50 years saying, feed us, pastor, feed us, pastor, give us some meat. <laughs> what an impossible job. But what an awesome God challenge that the Holy Spirit knows how to meet. Hallelujah. Keep going for it. And that's why you have teams. Because none of us are good at all of that stuff.
I want to wrap this up with a very important truth here. What if you're a smaller church and you don't have all these mature ministry gifts come at rising in your church? That's where most of us are at. This is how I've learned to use fivefold ministry gifts in our church. Know that the primary, you need to discover what your primary ministry gift is that God has called you and equipped you with. And if you're in senior leadership in a church, you will have one or more of these fivefold ministry gifts. You will have one of those growing and developing and functioning. You might have more. Then you need to know what are your team members. And you say, well, we've only got 15 in our church, so I don't have assistant pastors. But you've got some elders and you've got some home group leaders and they will all be developing some aspects of these gifts in their life. You've got to identify and stir the, the leaders of your home groups will probably be pastors, you know, because they've got a heart for the people. You know, the ones that are out there, why aren't we reaching out in the streets, pastors? Well, they're clearly your evangelists, you know. <laughs> it's not rocket science, this stuff, but we just need to make a, be aware of it. I'm primarily a pastor but over the last few years, I sometimes function as an evangelist. I sometimes, when I get to the altar call, something switches inside of me and I'm as passionate as any evangelist to get people over the line. It's like an anointing comes and I just shift. It's the evangelist anointing comes on me because I love souls. But people say, you're an evangelist. No, I'm not an evangelist. I'll show you an evangelist. When a Don McDonnell or an Al Fury comes into the church, there's an evangelist. And let me talk about the difference. Sometimes I function in a prophetic realm and when I go visiting ministry, sometimes I, God actually takes me into the office of a prophet now, which is an exciting and scary place to be. Occasionally it happens here in our church, but when I go to other churches, sometimes I'll walk through the doors and all of a sudden I see what's all going on in the church. I hear the sound of shifting chairs and I say, Holy Spirit, what's that about? Yep, the leaders are changing in this church. I walk in and I think, God, this is exciting and scary. And the first few times it happened, it just blew me away. And now I'm learning what to do with it. Sometimes I don't say anything. I just pray. Sometimes I'll talk to the leader afterwards over lunch say, hey, this is just what's stirring my heart. Other times I'll prophesy and do what I need to do. That's a scary place. Teaching. I'm not a real teacher, but sometimes it just flows like a river. I'll be preparing a message. It's like the anointing of teacher comes on me, and I get up, and it's just a totally different way of preaching than pastoral inspiration and support. And many of you have touched those. Most of us have one or two primary gifts. And as you mature, sometimes others will pop in from time to time. And you will recognize the other gift. So Mary Lynn, she's got a pastor's heart, but developing a real teaching gift. And got a prophetic flow in there. Peter has got a pastor's heart, but he's got an evangelist's heart. He loves organizing evangelistic events. He just comes alive. When Youth Alive's coming through, he just comes alive. Yeah, let's get out and reach all the kids in the high schools. The evangelist just... Doug is my executive pastor. Doug's got a pastoral heart, but he's got this teaching gift that's just flourishing. Doug gets up and teaches, and the people clap when he teaches. They don't clap for me. They don't clap for anyone else. But nearly every time Doug teaches, he finishes after 35 or 40 minutes, the people just start clapping. Nearly, nearly every time it happens. And I thought, wow, the people out there are saying we're hungry for more clear biblical teaching step by step line by line revelation so i'm releasing doug more and more to preach because i know i need that teaching gift to flourish tim's our youth pastor and he's got a heart for evangelism but he's got a real passion to disciple and mentor and that gift is growing there and and so god's blessed me with a team but 
for years it was Marilyn and I. And uh, God builds teams around us. Takes time. But if you don't know how you are and secure in that, you're going to struggle to build and release really strong teams. And that's the exciting and challenging, scary part of being in leadership. But what a reward when we start to flow with that. So have a look and identify those gifts in your life. The other thing I do, I invite guest ministry. I thank God when I first took over the church at Budrum when I was 29 as a senior pastor and we looked at each other and thought, what on earth are we doing here? (laughs) I tried to get out of it. We did everything we could to not take a church on. I loved being on a team. God backed us into a a corner that we could not get out of. We were going to lose our house unless we moved back into it. God engineered it with all these things that was impossible for us to do anything else apart from go there. God just knew that it was right for us, but we fought it. And so, I forget who told me this, but a father in the faith taught me and says, you need the five-fold ministry gifts to flow in your church. He taught me this scripture. He said, when you're a smaller church, you don't have those gifts, so you get guest ministry. I don't just get any guest ministry in my church. I invite five-fold ministry gifts that are going to complement our church. I look, some of us just invite our friends to come and preach, and they're going to say the same thing as you. What, what good's that to the body? From day one, I've always had at least two evangelists in my church per year. And I won't get them just for two or three days. I'll get them for four or five days so that their gift can flow and have meetings that run on. You say, oh, people won't come out during the week. You have the power of God flowing, they will. And some people getting saved for your miracles happening. They'll be there. They're hungry for it. I've always looked for some prophetic teaching voices to come. Because been, we've been primarily pastors. And so... Guest ministry, I do not get a guest minister just because they've got an anointing on them or they're my friend. I say, God, what are they going to add to our church in the fivefold ministry? That's been my foundation for 30 years in guest ministry. And yet I've never heard anyone else teach that apart from this father who taught me that. And that's helped build our churches at Budrum and here. Sometimes I've got it wrong. Occasionally I've got an evangelist and, mate, they did cause a strife. They started pushing people over and saying dumb stuff. I sit down. I take them out for lunch. Say, hey, you've got a gift on your life. Why are you doing that and damaging the body? I'm a pastor. Some of these are 20 years older than me years ago, but I'm a pastor who protects the flock. I don't judge them. I say, you've got an anointing. Why on earth are you trying to help God out by doing dumb stuff or prophesying and putting time frames on it, which are clearly not accurate? I sit and have a chat with them. If they're not responsible and teachable, they don't come back to my church. If someone asks me for a reference on them, I'll be honest in a right way. I'll say they've got a gift here, here and here, but I need to let you know that in this area, I found them are difficult to work with and I think they're still growing and maturing in that area. I'll say something like that. So it's not a judgment, it's an honouring, but a truthful statement. Then it's up to that leader what they do with that. I've got myself in trouble. Some people have really, I had one guy at Budrum, he wanted to preach in our church, right or wrong, because I was the regional leader, so he wanted to get that on his resume. That was true, that's exactly, and I refused to have him, because I got conflicting reports. He used to put times on prophecies, and they didn't happen, he'd never go and apologize and damage the body. I refused to have him. Well, he went and blackened my name through lots of churches, because he, I don't know what he told people, I remember I went and preached for someone years ago 
And I, they got me for a week's missions conference and evangelism thing. I taught all week, and on the way to the airport at the end, he said, you're not like they said. I said, well, that's an interesting comment. He didn't say anything to me the all week. And I said, what did they say? And then he told me this story, and it was from this guy that I had refused to come. So he blackened my name all over the place. I thought, well, that's a price I'm prepared to pay for the body of Christ. And stuff happens. When you do it right, some stuff still happens. But hey, I'd rather be right before God than be popular. And God honors that. Yeah, he does. He honors that. And if they gave Jesus a rough time sometimes, why should we expect anything less? You know, look, and I love to be accepted, but sometimes it, it just happens. It's important. One other quick thing I've got to do, and then we're going to break for... Oh. I want to give a really brief thing here. Some of you have never thought about this. It's important to understand if you are a Romans 12 gifted leader or an Ephesians 4 ministry gift leader. I've only ever heard Danny Guglamucci teach on this eight or ten years ago. I've never heard anyone else teach on this, but it makes a whole world of sense. Romans 12.4 says... For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not have all the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it's serving, then serve. If it's teaching, then teach. If it's to encouraging, then give encouragement. If it's giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it's to show mercy, do it cheerfully. What is the difference between a Romans 4 leadership gift and an Ephesians 4, I'm sorry, a Romans 12 leadership gift and an Ephesians 4, 5 fold ministry gift? Very good question because that will determine how well your leadership in church goes. So many people are leading churches that are a Romans 12 leadership gifting and they wonder why their church struggles and plods along and has so many challenges. I believe this is an essential key, once again, for the leadership teaching to be laid over biblical truth. It's a missing link. And it's such a missing link. Can you hand this sheet out? I've copied off a sheet of Danny Guglamucci's teaching on this. It's the best I've ever heard. I don't know if it's original with him or not, but it will describe the differences between an Ephesians 4 leader and a Romans 12 gifted leader. A Romans 12 gifted leader might be home group leaders that are some, a lot of people start out as a Romans 12 leader, they become a home group leader and eventually they become a pastor and their five-fold ministry gift grows. You've got to start somewhere. Some people will be the most amazing disciplers, but they'll never become a five-fold ministry gift because that's not their call or gift. Doesn't mean they're less. They might disciple 200 people over their 20 years of being a home group leader and have all these amazing people all over the world that came through their home group and yet they were Ephesians 4 gift leader. They weren't an Ephesians, uh, they were a Romans 12 leader and weren't an Ephesians um, 4 gifted leader. I've never heard anyone teach on this except Danny Guglamucci and I, to me it makes a whole lot of biblical sense. There's probably other guys teach it. I just haven't been around it. So this is not for you to change your whole leadership model, but it's once again, it's something for you to pray and think about in your picking and choosing and discipling and raising up leaders and helping understand where people fit. Not, once again, not to pigeonhole, but to understand 
the journey and season in people's lives. And we won't go through it all, uh, but it gives basically a summary of the differences between an Ephesians 4 leader. I'll just read the first couple. I need my glasses out because um, we got it on one page. Thanks, Lydia, but it's too small for me to read. And Ephesians 4 is in a supernatural calling, clear supernatural calling to the role. Romans 12 is a natural discovery of gifting. They find they're good with people, and so they end up having a home group. Ephesians 4 is recognized and released by others, appointed by laying on of hands. A Romans 12 is activated through their servanthood and their love for God. Ephesians 4 is a calling, has a testimony of events. When were you called for ministry? Everyone's got a dream, a prophecy, a couple of encounters. There's stuff there. It's a very clear process a romans 12 happens as you go about everyday life it's very natural you end up becoming a, a winner of people to jesus because your passion ephesians 4 look for other ephesians 4s to connect with romans 12 connect with ephesians 4 so they can be led or commissioned by ephesians 4 leaders that's a really good observation you get followership from revelation romans 12 you get followership through good leadership so Ephesians 4, get revelation. God speaks to you of what to do and how to build your church. Romans 12, they get their leadership from following your revelation. Just the way God's put the body together. Does not need a job description, multitask Ephesians 4. That's not totally true, but it's like you just know what you need to do. Romans 12, need clear parameters because they are focused on knowing what is required. They're more focused on areas of their strength. Then there's 30. We're not going to go through those, but that's interesting reading. Some of them are pretty out there, but a lot of them you think, well, I've seen that. Of uh, Ephesians, well, the first one turns out of revelation. Romans 12 discerns out of observation. So a Romans 12 leader is always wanting to do lots of talking to people, finding out what the feel is happening. A Rome, a, Ephesians 4 just knows by revelation what to do. Doesn't mean you don't do the other stuff, but there's a difference at flow so that's an interesting little sheet there's one other sheet we'd like to hand out thanks uh him this is five levels of leadership that uh doug showed me and some of you that have done the uh leadership through alpha cruise or whatever and we've amended it a bit it's five leadership levels of responsibility so this is two different sheets to give you some understanding on different aspects of leadership life and it basically goes from level one um, up to level five and we've got two sides to it so one side is for a smaller church and one side's for a bigger church and give you some understanding of the levels of... And it basically works on a level five leader, someone who can deal with a lot of complexity, a lot of decisions, oversee a lot of different people and leaders and ministries. And a level one leader is like a home group leader that can have a gift and function or uh, work in an area of ministry. And then the, all the different levels. So thanks, Doug, for helping put that together. And uh, that's not original, but we've put some stuff in. So that's just a couple of little models for you to take away, to read through, agree with, disagree with, or there might be a few things that say, hey, that just helps give me understanding of what, how to pick the next group of leaders or how, how to disciple or how God's been building that. Now I can see the pattern that he's been building for a while in some of the people in our church or our team. Okay, so that's where we're at. And so leadership teams where people with different Ephesians gift ministries and Romans 12 leadership gifts work together and grow together fruitfully. One more question. 
Some people say, well, how do I know if I'm in the right spot? How do I know if I'm still functioning in my right area of gifting or ministry? I think we all go through that. I've had a couple of times in my life where I've had to really honestly, I was a youth pastor once, and for whatever reason, the senior pastor um, didn't think I was doing enough, and I was already doing 80 hours a week in ministry, so that was an interesting perspective. And he basically said, I don't think you're called to ministry and just challenged my whole call. And Matt, I walked out of that office having to think this through. And I had to reevaluate, was I really called to ministry? And it was challenged. Another time after we'd been at Budrum for nearly 12 years and I was been full-time ministry 16 years, we had nine years of great blessing, a year and a half of pure hell, the testing times that seemed to come for most of us one or two seasons in life four incredible crises and John Lewis said any two of those will take out most ministries we survived four so I'm not quite sure what that meant (laughs) went close to burnout and all sorts of stuff and then it recovered and we were growing and then yay we're through that let's go and then one day God came to me through two people and said it's time to have a rest as clear as a bell so I got advice did the right thing felt in my heart I rang Marilyn up and said I think it's time for us to resign and have a rest she wanted to do it nine months before when, when we were at the end of the 18 months of hell and, and burnout phase. God, and I said, I will if and when God tells me to. So anyway, we gave three months notice, went through the whole process, And then for about 18 months, God was silent to me on my leadership role and where I functioned. It was just crazy. He still spoke to me. I did some itinerant ministry. We had some amazing times. But as far as where I fitted, he was silent for about 18 months. I thought he'd be out for three or six months and then back in because I knew I was a reasonably good leader and then God had a call in my life. Two years and nine months that season went on. Didn't make any sense in the natural. But we had fun. God helped us. We had kids in, in uh, high school and we had a lot of time with family. All the kids got running strong for Jesus during that time. We went and did training, worked out in the work first, learned a whole lot of stuff about life. And, and then God brought us here. And the day we walked in, the open heaven came. And we've been on this incredible journey for 15 years. But if we hadn't have done the time in the middle, we probably wouldn't be as good at doing what we're doing now. So don't, don't fight the seasons. Just be led by the Spirit. Get wise counsel and advice, but be led by the Spirit. If you're married, do it together as husband and wife because the Holy Spirit will speak to both of you in different ways and, and we've never moved unless we're in total agreement. Any major ministry change or adjustment unless we're in total agreement. Sometimes Mary Lynn would get it first because she, she's more perceptive and take a while for it to get through my thick skull that it was time to do some changes. Other times, I'd get it first and then you'd get it. Coming here, we both got it instantaneously. Our spirits leapt inside and we said, we're going to Harvey Bay. It was just like that. We heard the pastor resigned here. We were at another meeting in Ipswich and I was at a table. Someone said, the pastor at Harvey Bay's resigned and immediately my spirit leapt inside and I said, we're going to Harvey Bay. Hadn't applied, hadn't come and preached, didn't know if they'd accept it or not, but I knew. We walked outside and Mary Lynn was talking at another table. So when we walked outside, I said, tonight I heard the pastor at Harvey Bay resign. Before I could tell her what had happened to me at the table, her spirit leapt inside. She said, whoa, we're going to Harvey Bay, aren't we? That's how it happened. I wish, it was, I wish God's leading was that easy every time. That's the only time it's been that clear. 
other times you wrestle through and pray and, and I think I think God was gracious because he hadn't spoken to us for about 18 months on whatever it was but we kept our eyes on Jesus through the journey this is my simple question as we go to morning tea if you are not excited and fulfilled to a reasonable level 80 or 90 percent of the time you've got to ask the question am i in the right place or am i doing it the right way that's just wisdom that i've learned along the way we all have tough days we think god i'm not going back to church next sunday that's the last time i preach not a new pastor or you have three or four marriages fall apart in your church and think, God, I can't cope with this. This is crazy. Or one of your best leaders says, oh, we're transferring in three months. See you later. <laughs> you poured five years into their life. <laughs> They're tough things to handle as leaders. But you need to ask God. You don't do it every day, but if you're in a challenge, you need to say, God, if you don't get that fulfillment 80 or 90% of the time, you say, Lord, am I doing the right thing or am I in the right place or am I doing it the best way you want me to maybe you're doing it an old wine skin way you're in the right place but God's trying to adjust you just to do it in a fresh way sometimes have a good I always say have a good holiday first don't go and resign go and have a good holiday have some time to reflect talk to some friends go to a one or two fresh read some different books than you've been reading just feed your spirit for a while and see what God does sometimes you just need a good break but if it doesn't settle then, you've got to start to really ask those questions. And that's where you need apostolic and prophetic fathers and mothers because they can help with the equipping and releasing and adjusting of the body, including us in leadership. That's why you need to have relationships or connections with one or more of those. God's at work, hey? Well, we've covered a lot of ground this morning, but I think... I think we've done a whole lot. And I think the Holy Spirit has adjusted some of our thinking or resonated with some questions we've had in our souls. And some of you might be there saying, oh, I don't really agree with that. That's okay. Just take it to God. Happy to chat with anyone. And uh, I don't have an agenda in this at all, apart from wanting to please God. That's all my heart is. But I believe that we're on a journey of incredible breakthrough because there's more, much more. Let's stand and pray. <clears throat> Lord, you're so amazing. Lord, even right now, I Stay tuned for another exciting podcast brought to you by Bayside Christian Church.